Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. I was pretty much convinced that this conversation was going to be about fitness, nutrition, breath work, and healthy habits. Seeing as how my next guest's expertise revolves around these topics, you'd be forgiven for assuming that it'd be an easy fit for a conversation. However, as these things do, five minutes into it, those assumptions took a swan dive out the window. This is why I'm always honest when I tell people I never really know where these conversations are going to go, even when I hit record. And today's exchange can serve as yet another example as to why that's actually a good thing. As a high-performance breath and strength coach, Cam McDougall and I had never actually met before this call. But as soon as we got into it, I was introduced to a guy with a troubled past, a colorful journey, some pretty liberating truth, as well as a sense of purpose I had never experienced before. Filled with an honest, vulnerable account of his journey, wise observations, lessons learned from his blemishes, not mistakes, and incredibly palpable love for others, this conversation was a special one. On this episode, we talk about recognizing the signs when your environment no longer serves you, redefining masculinity, acceptance of others, but most importantly yourself, and so much more. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 142 with Cam McDougall. Here we go. For me, it's very important to, again, not just welcome the guests, but Cam, I just want to tell you that for me, it's it's a thrill to, to welcome you uh, onto this platform because you know what? I want people to hear this. And as you know, you know, just going back and forth and trying to schedule the call. And I, like I said, I tell all the guests, like just trying to you know schedule the calls between pandemics and stuff. And <laughs> Cam actually said, okay, Ali, you know what? Not a problem, but I can't do later than this. I'm like, okay, you know what I love about that? Because having, you know, from the little I've heard from your previous recordings and knowing your journey and knowing everything you've come from, and you said, said it yourself, you know, with all the chaos mm. that you had to come through and the simple fact that you're here and through that one little gesture of letting people know, letting me know, listen, this is how I function. These are my parameters. This is how I connect with the world. And this is the organization I bring into my life. I like mm-hmm. the word discipline. And for mm-hmm. me, that just, you know, that exuded respect because you know what? Too often do we fail to let people know because we're so torn by life and responsibilities and jobs and family and obligation, what we perceive as obligations. Unless, you know, we bring that choice and responsibility and ownership of ourselves to the forefront, eventually you get what you tolerate. And that's why I want to celebrate you, Cam, because from, like I said, from the little I've heard about, you know, because I've only listened to one previous interview you gave on the, mm-hmm. on the uh, Your Hidden Talent podcast. Cool. And it was a great recording. And what I loved about it is obviously um, the, the acceptance that you brought forward because mm. it wasn't a fun journey. Um, it wasn't the, 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 it was definitely a scary one for anybody hearing it as a spectator. I'm like, wow. And that's why I really want to open this in full honesty. And I want to celebrate you because too often, first of all, do we not take ownership of the road that we've basically gone through, you know, and Mm. celebrating the wins and the fact that you're here in such a smiling and energetic self 
is something to be acknowledged because some people don't make it the you know the other end Mm -hmm. and it's something that you know i want to bring out because you know people need to hear the fact that once you take ownership of what your enough is because Mm -hmm. that happened to you as well that Mm -hmm. is something that is going to reveal the greatness in you and with that i want to thank you for everything that you do and of course a very heartfelt welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast, Ken. Awesome, Ollie. Thanks for that. And it, it means the world to hear you say that. And, uh, you know, we all have our own journeys and we all have the choice on whether or not we want to use them or we want to tuck them away. And I feel that most people have a huge source of power in it. So I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you see that and that you acknowledge me for it. So thank you. Totally, totally. And I just want to piggyback off that one. I want to springboard out that one. And, you know, I'm going to say two words and I just want to see how that's going to make you react because I want people to tune into this. If I tell you within this question, what would have happened if you did not cross path with Charlie Yang? You want my answer in two words? (laughs) (laughs) Because what I want to bring Mm. out is people do not take enough consideration in regards to how one person's encouragement or that one, you know, seed of, you know, um, support can have an amazing impact on one person's life. And for you, I know, and in your own uh, account, you said that one person changed a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think in two words, it, it probably would have been self-destruction to be honest. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably what would have happened in that situation. Why do you think he gave you a chance? Why, where do you think that belief in you came from? Well, Charlie, he was rough around the edges. He was an individual that I don't know his full story, but I'm pretty confident he had his own dealings and times and gangs and drugs and, you know, the lifestyle that I was coming from. So I really truly feel like he probably saw a bit of himself in me. And he could also tell that there was more to me than my rap sheet. And there was just resonance, you know, that's, I think what it comes down to is that I trusted him. He trusted me. I knew he would go to bat for me. He knew I knew I would go to bat for him. We just kind of had that, that, uh, that brotherly bond, you know, and um, he just, you know, he, he, he went out and, and brought me in and showed me tough love, but he, no matter what showed up for me. And, and that was, that was exactly what I needed at that point in time. And I needed somebody that could speak my language, which he could. So it was just kind of the, the perfect human being to bring me back into society. See, because we walk this journey called life and we're always, you know, always thinking that nobody understands me, nobody understands me. And we just like fall into that own, uh, destructive internal dialogue, you know, some worse than most. But it for me, it was just like so heartwarming to see like, you know what, all you need is one person to believe in you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from someone, you know, from someone like you having come from such a dark place, that little beacon of light has, you know, so much truth and resonance because, you know, it definitely, once you have that seed and you run with it, you never know what can happen. Mm-hmm. And people need to find, because sometimes we're always so, we're so afraid that, you know, we're, we're, like you said, 
were not more than our rap sheet. People, some people, sometimes they believe that they are the sum of their faults rather than their mm-hmm. successes. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And as a society, we, you know, we're in a place now where we 100% look to the faults before the wins, you know, with, with my high performance coaching and what I do with people, um, their tendencies to go to their downfalls or their, their blemishes on their achievements, as opposed to celebrating the wins, even if the wins outweigh the blemishes, you know, nine, nine to one, it's always the blemish that comes up and it's the blemish that gets the forefront. And as a society, that's almost become like normal. It's like, we're so, we're so quick to judge ourselves on what we've done wrong and we're blind to all the stuff that we do every single day. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. And it's, it's pretty interesting to see how we we've come into that mindset when we should be celebrating our wins. And if we have a loss, we just see it as a part of the process, you know? Wow. Um, you've talked a lot about acceptance and it's definitely a, lot, a, a very big uh, item uh, with all that you share and all the wonderful, wonderful messages that, that, that you promote and coming from you. Definitely. There's a lot of um, work that was done with the self. And for us, I'm just talking about myself, you know, just when I was going through my depression, one of the biggest hurdles I had to overcome was like, okay, you are okay. This is not the end of the world, but you need to know that you are enough. Mm. But for some people, it's so hard to look into the mirror and, you know, they don't want to look into the mirror. And sometimes it's so scary, but I'm just wondering from your perspective, why is it so scary to look within? Because we have to face our pain when we do that, right? There's, there's no way to look within to see who we truly are without, you know, facing our demons. So I think a lot of people are scared of that and rightfully so, in my opinion. However, society hasn't set up the infrastructure to normalize it and mm-hmm. hasn't given people empowering environments to do it. You know, I just, I just got off a call with a woman who is a volunteer for the Compassion Prison Project. And we were talking about release programs and we were talking about trauma in prisoners. And it's just fascinating how little resources or tools they're given. And everyone that's a criminal is just, they're just traumatized, right? You know, a murderer is just traumatized, you know, anyone that we would deem as like a menace to society is just acting on trauma. It's not who they truly are. But when we go deeper into that and we look at that, it's like, we got to go, you know, we got to go deep into the darkness to understand where that trauma is coming from. That takes support. That takes people that can handle you being in your deepest, darkest places and to journey with you through them. So, you know, it, 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 it's a scary place, but I think that we've just spent so much time, you know, tucking stuff away in our big toe that we've forgotten that going into the darkness and going into the fear and going into those more negative sides of ourselves is really the duality required for us to truly feel and be human. One question I did have though, uh, because you shared a lot about, you talked a lot about, you know, your parents, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, and you put it in your own words, you know what, they might've not been the best couple since, you know, they did get divorced when you were, when you were young, I believe. Mm -hmm. But even so you never shy away from the fact that you've got, all the love 
you really mm-hmm. were loved throughout, you know, the hicks, uh, the hiccups and the ups and downs and the peaks and valleys and stuff. And I'm just paralleling that because it just brought me back to a conversation I was having with my mother like a couple of weeks ago. She told me, you know what? I birthed you. I gave you life. You know, you came from me, but I also have to accept the fact that you are a different person. You are your own person. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to say in regards to that, in regard to your own journey, having a kid is the biggest crapshoot you will ever take because (laughs) you don't know what they're going to do, but you have to be there. You have to give them that support. And that's a lot from what I heard. And how important is it for our parents to be there for us and to give us that support? no matter how rocky, no matter how, because adolescence, you will fuck up. Mm-hmm. But parenting is one of the biggest crapshoots you will take. I was just wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, for sure. I, um, my, my journey with my parents has been, been an interesting one. And uh, I totally hear you with the, the having a kid and, and you, you really don't know what, what's going to come in that little star seed. <laughs> so it can be, uh, it can be a wild journey for sure. Um, when it comes to parenting, I think that, and I'll speak from my perspective because my parents' journey was their own journey and, and they're, they're, they're doing what they're doing because it's their pattern. It's their, it's, it's, you know, it's them executing on what they believe. So for me, it's like, I firmly believe that the more work we do on ourselves as human beings, the more we open ourselves up to letting our kids and children thrive. And one thing that I found for, for myself growing up is that I became the burden of a lot of my parents' traumas and challenges that they were facing. And because they didn't have the right tools to navigate their world, I felt the brunt of that. And from my perspective as parents, I feel it's extremely important for us to clear our vehicle, clear our vessel, do our inner work so that no matter how the kid shows up or this child shows up, we're able to hold space for that child and give them the freedom that they need in order to embody the life that they have chosen to embody. So for me, it's it's really about us clearing our own ancestral trauma and then allowing for our kids to do the same and us just being there in a supportive, encouraging, accepting and open way. That's kind of, I think where the magic lies in my opinion, because my parents were great. They loved me. They, they took care of me. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't on the streets and doing what I was doing because, you know, I came from a a super broken home. But my parents didn't really know how to, so I'm going to rephrase that. From my perspective, it appeared that my parents did not know how to love themselves. Therefore, they didn't know how to show me the love that I really wanted when I was younger. So I found that on the streets. I found that with other rebellious human beings. I found that in drugs, partying, women, sex, all of those other areas. So when it comes to parenting, it's just clearing our blocks so that we can show up and, and just come from a heart-based approach as opposed to uh, letting our own patterns and traumas dictate how we want to control and raise our children. That's my perspective. It's scary, but at the same time, and I'm, I'm going to totally open with this question, is like, 
it's not as easy as just saying like you know well you know all you had to do was just stay home and find him because he was just bored find him something to do and stuff mm -hmm. it, you can't just you can't just think that okay cam just goes out in the street and he finds the wrong crowds like oh he hangs out with the wrong people no there is a lot of trauma as you mentioned there is a lot of baggage there and sometimes adolescence is that cycle i believe mm -hmm. where Again, it's the ignorance of life and the exploration of life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a double-edged sword where, you know, you can go really deep either way. And, and sometimes it can have dire consequences. How it's, it, it's, it's a scary thing. And, you know, just looking back, could there have been something that, aside, when you decided, when you said those words, you know what, this is not for you. How do we listen to ourselves? And sometimes some people don't listen to their internal dialogue. But you said to yourself, this is not for you. Sometimes how do we know when we've had enough? How do we not disregard that voice within if we're even willing to hear it? Mm, that's a great question. That's a great question. And that kind of, you know, my, there, there's my practical answer and there's my cosmic spiritual answer. We you know? I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn. <laughs> yeah. So for me, when I, when I think about my, let's, we'll start with the fun one. We'll start with the cosmic side of things. When I think about my life and my journey, you know, when I finally turned everything around, it was, it was a, there was a divine intervention of some sort. And it was, it was like a lightning bolt in my forehead and I just could not do anything other than walk away from the life that I was living. Um, so I believe that we truly are on our paths and we truly are here to experience and create a whole bunch of stuff. And when we're not doing it in the right way or we're not doing it in alignment with what we're supposed to be here, i.e. our purpose, Mm -hmm. then something corrects us. Something gives us a slap across the face, whether it's, you know, for me, it was, you know, it was almost paralysis or it was, you know, fear or somebody leaving your life or let's say illness, injury, you know, all these different things come up and I look at them as course correctors. And the more we don't listen to our course correctors, the worse and worse and worse they get. So, you know, from a cosmic perspective, one thing that I would say is like, if you're getting a lot of signs and you're ignoring them and you know, you're ignoring them or you're choosing to disregard them, then something's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. But if that intuition keeps coming up and you see a pattern, right. I kept getting caught and I kept getting put in jail. Obviously something wasn't working. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, obviously I wasn't doing something properly, you know, when all, when a lot of my other friends weren't ending up in the same position that I was. So I eventually listened and my intuition got really, really loud and I got out right at the right time. Now, from a practical standpoint, it comes down to listening to the people around you that are sounding boards and that you do trust. And there weren't a lot of people like that in my life. My dad was one of them. My dad, you know, he did leave when I was, you know, 14 and he moved overseas and, you know, I didn't see him very often at all, but he was still always there energetically and for support. And I remember one time I was, I was showing up, I, I, I was remanded. So I was in incarcerated and I got brought to the courthouse for a, for a court appearance. And my dad was, he was in the, 
he was in kind of the, he was there attending and they had just read my sentence. And then at the end of my sentence, they said, Oh, and by the way, Cam now has to go to another courthouse because he's being charged for another violent offense from another, you know, city. Um, And then I just saw my dad break down and seeing my dad, who's like my, you know, the power figure in my life, just totally, you know, cripple and weeping and just like sobbing because he didn't know like what was going to happen to me. Um, That made me realize that I was, I was really fucking up. You know, I was like, I'm like, wow, like this isn't a game, you know? And, and so I trust his opinion and I trust his perspective. So when someone like that, who was, you know, such a prominent figure in my life acted that way, I could have chose to suppress it and just been like, oh, whatever, he's just my parent. But instead I chose to listen to it. And then I went back and, and I was, you know, I was sitting at the table with a bunch of other inmates and I was looking around and they were talking about stuff they were going to steal or people they were going to hurt or drugs they were going to sell. And I thought about my dad and I was just like, this isn't for me. What am I doing here? And sometimes that's, that's the one spark, the one seed, the one decision that changes everything. That's the pivot. Mm-hmm. Cause it's crazy to think because you see this in movies, you read about it in the news, but when you hear it from an actual person, like a regular everyday person, you put a name, you put a face on that reality. It's not just a PSA ad. It's, this is very real. This is life. You mm-hmm. we only get one shot at this. And I will allow the fact that adolescence is that part of life where, you know, you're supposed to fuck up. You're going to explore. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to do a couple of things, but you're also supposed to define yourself. What is it you want out of life? And that's mm-hmm. what I'm hearing. At a certain mm-hmm. point, you had enough. Most definitely. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about the impre- the importance of avoiding suppression, especially uh, with a lot of the mentoring that you're doing, especially in regards to men's health and the identity and mas- of, mas- of toxic masculinity that we unfortunately fall uh, too often into the trap of. But you also, you also said, you know, suppression leads to outburst. If we're mm-hmm. not careful because we've been bred, and I'm totally guilty of this because coming from a very traditional mindset, because I was raised in the Caribbean, raised Asian. So we're mm-hmm. totally in that, you know, masculine aspect of, of society. Like, you know, we are men, mm-hmm. but we don't share enough. We don't open enough. And it had to cost me a bit of a burnout for me to understand that, you know what? My son needs to hear the words, I love you mm-hmm. come from the man in his life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was wondering why does it, why do you, you know, champion uh, that message so much in regards to how we're supposed to shift uh, the image that we have of masculinity. Why is that so important to you? It's a great question. I think that, I think that, you know, humans are, are sick right now, but I think that men in particular are really a lot sicker than we think we are. I believe that true masculinity is the polarity of yin and yang, right? It's the polarity of the warrior and the nurturer. And I feel like most quote unquote men or humans that identify as men go a lot deeper into 
the warrior and we forget about the nurturer. Because if we can't go to battle, protect our town, our family, our people, and we can't come home and hug and kiss and cry and love those closest to us, then we're out of balance. And when we're out of balance, society's out of balance, just like when, you know, the, the feminine's out of balance. So for me, I have seen so many men with mental health issues, with sex addictions, with, you know, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, all of these things, very similar to women as well. I'm not, I'm not saying they don't have them as well, but I've seen a lot of men that manifest that because they're not executing on a way of life that they've been programmed to believe is what they're here to do. If that makes any sense. Totally. Totally. So for me, it's, it's really about showing men and, and, and really creating space because, you know, I'm six, three, 200 pounds covered in tattoos, make space for men to be able to cry and celebrate themselves and shit, you know, have a bubble bath with Epsom salts, rock and Enya, you know, and, and, and get a Manny Petty. You know what I mean? Like just really allowing themselves to nurture themselves and really go into that more feminine side of being, because what that does is that then connects you deeper with your partner. It helps men get away from porno. You know, you want to talk about an addiction, like so many men are addicted to porn and it's like, it, it's because we've just been skewed into this idea of like, we got to be the manly man. And that's the only way that we can operate. So for me, it's everything. It's for me, it's a, it's an extremely important part of healing society. And that's allowing for emotions to be expressed and creating the spaces for us to do so. Otherwise we're just going to perpetuate a whole bunch of stuff that's causing mental health issues um, as well as, you know, a, a lot of other misguided activity so that 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 is why it's very important to me over the over the couple of years and a lot of the conversation i've had because it's also something something that's very close to me uh like i said you know uh, i'm not taking away anything uh from how i was raised and i still value my father and his presence in my life and all the great things he's done for me but as you said, we also have to take ownership of the baggage that was passed down onto us. And we have to choose whether or not we take it with us or leave it be. Mm -hmm. And I knew for a fact that, you know, I was raised to be the man. I was raised to be, you know, among my older sister and my younger brother, I was raised to be the responsible sibling. So I had a lot, you know, put on me in terms of responsibility. Again, I take full ownership of it, but I know that having children, my own, I've got two young kids. I look at my son and I'm like, you know what? Hey, you want to watch Paw Patrol or okay, like you want a hug? He wants a hug. Give him a hug. Don't tell him, man up. Mm. Stop crying. It's okay. He's four. He's allowed mm. to cry. He's making sense of the world. You have to go down to their level and understand that, you know what? He is allowed to be his own person. Maybe mm. he'll grow out of it. Maybe he won't. But you need to understand that it is not my job to thrust my reality onto him. Because mm. I'm 39. He's four. There's a lot of, I can't drop that on a four-year-old. Mm. And you know what, what he chooses to become as a man, you know, I can give him my best tools, but I can't want him to be me. And that is sometimes the, the mistake that we make as men, because men don't talk. We're not, we don't try to make sense of, we just do stuff because this is what we know, because that's mm -hmm. what we know about being a man. And 
it's very uncomfortable because this conversation that we're having right now is, let's call it uncommon into mm. a male circle. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about the porn, we talk about the cars, we talk about sports, but we can talk about, hey, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes, you know, I got some close friends that that happens sometimes, you know, I check in with them on WhatsApp or I call them like, yo, how is this pandemic treating you, man? How are the kids? How are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised. And I'm sure you've dealt with this in your own circle. There's a lot going on mm-hmm. inside of a man that mm-hmm. we don't want to share. And that's the outburst that I believe that you're talking about, which really scares me because, you know, it can lead to, you know, um, not just friction, but it can lead to very dangerous situations or even dire situations in regards to men taking their own life because mm-hmm. the suicide rates are increasing. And it's a scary thing. How can we help them, Cam? Yeah, great question. I think that there's a, you know, and I, I, in my circle, there's a lot of really cool people doing a lot of really good men's work. And, you know, I've got one of my friends, Tim Morrison, who runs, you know, uh, an Invictus camp for men to come and just allow themselves to be the warrior, to cry, to express, to, you know, to wrestle, to feel, to just really connect. Um, and it's really, really powerful work. I've got another fl- friend, Luca Reddy, right now that's doing a podcast case study on 100 conscious men. So there, there, there's really a lot of resources starting to come out. And what I would say to any men in that situation is find a resource, find a group of men that are going to support you and that will accept you. Because, you know, I've had to get rid of a lot of friends over the course of my journey. And one thing that my dad told me when I was younger, and I was, I was deep in the, in kind of the thick of it, you might say, he said, Cam, in order for you to actually get out of this and change your life, you're going to have to change your friends. And I was like, nah, these are, these are, this is my crew. These are my family. Like I will, I will die before I give my friends up. And you meant that my friends. And I meant that 100%. I meant that. They were my family, right? Like my dad was gone. My mom kicked me out. I was living on my own when I was 16, right? So the, you know, my friends were my family. And to hear that was one of the hardest things. But now looking back, in order for me to, to get out and do what I've done with my life, I have had to change my friends multiple times. And I've had to do it after being a financial executive as well, because you know, they were, you know, the cocaine, the partying, the, the misogyny, you know, I had to leave that. I had to leave the hockey world because I couldn't handle the conversations in the dressing room anymore. Like there's so many different situations that we actually have to remove ourselves from. And we don't want to be isolated if we do that. So really finding a group of, you know, conscious men on that journey is, is, is the gateway to healing that. Other than that, you know, these conversations, just sharing our own feelings openly, you know, using our platforms to really invite other men in is a very, very, very important piece of the puzzle. Um, But I just feel like, you know, what's really going to support all these men is just us embodying it ourselves, living in a way that allows for other men to feel like they can open up and come into that space and really just living by example and providing men with resources to, you know, do the same thing. That definitely comes from a very, a very uh, intimate 
place of what I believe to be, you know, personal truth and definite courage, because you mm. definitely speak from a lot of heart and you're, you're not just talking about it. You've definitely lived it. And mm -hmm. I truly respect you for that because it's something that comes from a very intimate place of, of sincerity. And, you know, of course, all the men listening definitely thank you for this uh, because, you know, it only starts with one conversation. It's something, as I said, it's uncomfortable uh, for the men because it's something that's been permeated, you know, mm -hmm. throughout the culture, you know, wherever you come from, whether it's through Canada or down to the Caribbean or anywhere, you know, there is a certain perception of what a man is supposed to be, mm -hmm. but we need to create that equilibrium, that yin and yang, as you like to speak it. And, you know, mm -hmm. these are the type of things that need to happen. Um, I am curious, though, because um, I, like I told you, I'm, I'm the king of dumb questions. Uh, you have an amazing tapestry of tattoos going on, <laughs> all right? But I'm really curious in regards to just below your neck, I see open your heart and embrace fear. Yeah. And I'm really wondering where that comes from. Because from what I know, there's always a story behind a tattoo. And I'm curious <laughs> where that comes from. Uh, oh, that's a good one to come in on. Um, that, you know, all my tattoos are very, are very intentional. And I've never been one to get tattoos, you know, just in the moment. But that one was one that was in the moment. And... I had just met my partner, Victoria, and it's, it's, it's amazing that you zeroed in on that tattoo because it has to do a lot with what we just talked about. So I was just with my partner, Victoria, we had just moved in together, probably three months in living together. And, and, you know, my, my kind of roots of, you know, commitment to relationships are not very good. Um, I always get scared. I would always run. I would always be like, oh my goodness, this isn't going to work. I just can't do it. You know, my divorce trauma would come up, all kinds of stuff. And her and I were in a really tough place. And she was taught, we were talking, we, you know, we got engaged. I think it was like, I think five or six months, six months into being together, her and I were engaged. So we just wow. started going real quick. And after we had gotten engaged, she she, we started talking about weddings and we were at our house in Bali and my, my trauma, my, like my divorce trauma started coming up and I started getting really scared. And she was like talking about venues. And, and I was just like, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I don't, this is, this is, this is becoming too conventional wedding. I don't like it. It's like, this feels weird. And I started getting all antsy and agitated and she was looking at me and, and it brought some stuff up in her because of her, her trauma and what she's gone through with, with, with her own family. And, and we got into this, this kind of like tiff. And, and at that point in time, I still used to act on my, my fear and I would run. And, you know, that was really tough for her because one of her, you know, biggest, biggest challenges is, you know, people leaving. Mm -hmm. So we would just trigger each other. I would run, she would get triggered. And I, I left, I hopped on my scooter and I just went on this really fast drive. I was just, I was angry. And I have a friend that owns two tattoo shops in, in Bali. Mm -hmm. And I went into his tattoo shop and I was like, I was like, oh, I'm in this, I'm in this, this fuss with, with Victoria and I don't really know what to do. And, and then it came to me in that moment and I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm being a chicken shit. I'm like, this has nothing to do with her. I'm like, this has everything to do with me. And I saw my pattern and I was like, wow, I am scared of committing to this woman because of my trauma from my parents, because of my, 
you know, misogynistic background as a playboy growing up. Like I am just scared of committing. So I was like, I need to lean into my fear. Right. And I was like, how am I going to anchor this in? And I was just like, I want you to write on my chest. You know, I I just want you to literally tattoo it across my chest. And he did it right there. And we just, we anchored it right in and it was kind of a, a tattoo activation of me breaking that pattern. So yeah, bit of a, bit of a journey, bit of a roundabout story, but literally it was, it was me breaking down that pattern and, and by getting tattooed on my collarbone, I felt it a lot <laughs> and it was a very <laughs> painful tattoo um, and it, it just reminded me to, to 100%, you know, embrace fear and, uh, stay in my heart. And every day I look at that and I remember it and, and I was able to shift that pattern. And just for the people, at, just, for, just for the people wondering, how long has you guys been together? Now we've been together coming up on two years in January. My man, my man, I'm high-fiving you all the way from Kondiak. Thank man. you. But seriously that is such a great metaphor for a lot of what people listening to the podcast and who are definitely taking notes i I know i am from everything you're saying in regards to again where sometimes we're so limited not just by our thoughts but all the preconceived notions of you know the perfect scenario and the fear will always be present but as you said you know what we're supposed to lean in because Mm -hmm. greatness you know, is lies on the receiving end of your choice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the people listening who are always like, okay, we're always trying to see like, but what if I fail? What if this goes wrong? What if I don't get, you know, what, why, what, what, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, you know what mm-hmm. commit and why is it, first of all, do you know, can you shed some light on why it's so hard to step out of that comfort zone? And again, how can we encourage people? You know what? Double down, go in, go hard, mm-hmm. see what happens. How can we help them, Cam? So coming from a human being that has probably made more quote unquote mistakes than most people do in a couple of lifetimes, I can confidently say that failure and failing is one of the most valuable things you can do in your life. And we're so scared of it because we create these stories around what it means But if we go into any situation with an open heart, like I've tattooed on my chest, right? If we can go into any situation with an open heart and trust that we are going to get exactly where we want to go, that is the key. Now, there's a huge asterisk on that. And that is that there must be trust And we must have an idea of where we want to go, but we cannot, and I will repeat, we cannot define what it looks like to get there. And when we, when we don't define it and we allow for life to live through us, one might say, then we treat all failures and all challenges as learning opportunities you know, and, and I'm, I'm a mountaineer as well. I love climbing mountains. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I always use mountain summits as, as kind of a, an analogy for this, where 
you know, you, you, you're looking up at the mountain summit and you see the track, you see the path, you see where you want to go. And then a storm comes in and you're in a whiteout and you're living in, you know, a ping pong ball, as they would say. Wow. And you can't see anything. So you have to set up your tent and you're, you know, the wind's blowing and then you're, you know, you wake up the next day, storm's still there. You know, you're using your GPS, you're flagging, you're all over the place. And eventually you'll get to the top of that mountain or you won't. And you'll go back three years later and do it. We can't get attached to the idea that we're just going to walk up the trail or walk up the glacier, climb the rock and get there every time. That's just not how life works. It's too organic. It's too dynamic. So understanding that failure, understanding that mishaps, understanding that, that, you know, all of these, these challenges are going to happen and not judging them is how you become invincible on your journey because you actually see them as a part of it, not something that's, that's preventing you from it. it. It's literally a part of it. And a lot of people ask me, they say, Cam, like, are you, do you feel bad for the stuff that you've done? Because, you know, I was, I was labeled a serious violence offender when I was a teen. Like I hurt a lot of people. I did a lot of really bad stuff and people ask me that question. And I can say to them truly that I don't regret it. I'm sorry that it hurt people. And I definitely am not happy about that, but I do not regret it because it, has now given me contrast in life that fills me with love for human beings. I can be sitting in front of a murderer and I can love that person because of what I have seen myself do and understand that it was not a part of me. So something that a lot of people would sweep under the rug and not tell anybody is now a part of my, it's a part of my arsenal. It's a part of my power. And when you can transmute your challenges and when you can transmute your issues and mishaps and all these different, you know, blemishes that we've talked about in your life into your power, you're unstoppable. So don't define, allow for it to unfold, be open to what comes because how you get there is never how you plan on getting there. But if you let the first kind of challenge push you off course or move off the trail, then you're never going to get there. You can't see me, but I'm smiling from ear to ear from the (laughs) resonance and, you know, the empowering truth that, you know, just just oozes uh, through this call. Cam, I'm very respectful of your time. I'm not going to take any more of it. I can only say a very heartfelt and sincere thank you for this wonderful time. Because as I like to say, it's the one resource we can get back, you know? So for me and to all the listeners of the podcast, I can only, again, celebrate you for your journey. Because first of all, we are so blessed that you're still with us, but also, you know, so fortunate that you're still here sharing your insight, sharing your courage, sharing your truth, and, you know, just being the example, you know, and in your own personal level of awesomeness, showing us that it is possible. And of course, with all the love and all the appreciation, thank you so much uh, for your time on the podcast today. Really, thank you. It's my pleasure, Ollie. Thanks for having me, my friend. It's been a great chat. Um, running tradition. Uh, first of all, of course, uh, for the listeners who would like to connect with you, where can we connect with you on the interwebs? Instagram is the best and it's at Cam McDougall. And then my website is cammcdougall.com. 
definitely will link that up you know, on the blog post when this goes live. And again, last last question. Well, not really a question. It's the running tradition on the podcast. As I like to leave the floor open to the guests, you know, just open for them. A quote, uh, a sonnet, a song lyric, uh, you know, anything. Just uh, something that someone, any one of the listeners can take up, you know, for tomorrow. Just wake up tomorrow and take that next step towards the next level. What can we leave the listeners with? Mm. Well, one of my favorite quotes that really resonates, I think, with a lot of what we talked about today as well, is we must first be broken before the light shines through. And to me, that really kind of personifies what we've talked about today and how we have to embrace and allow ourselves to feel and go into, quote unquote, the darker sides of life before we can actually see the brighter sides of life. And that's something that really, really, really hits close to home for me. And it's one quote and saying that I live by every single day. And we'll be sure to do as well. Mm -hmm. Guys, my guest, Cam McDougall, please do connect with him over Instagram. Be sure, of course, to check in all the, all the appropriate links on the blog post once it goes live. Cam, thank you again uh, for this time and wonderful insight. Guys, again, thank you for supporting the Awaken the Awesome podcast. This journey would not be where it is without you. Of course, like, subscribe, share the episode if you find some resonance in your life or someone that you care about. And of course, always hit us up, Awaken the Awesome, you know, all the interwebs, you know, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or of course, directly via DM or email, Awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Guys, as always, thank you so much for your support. Blessings. Love you guys. Ciao. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome. <laughs>